Well, good morning. So the question is, is work a curse? And thanks for being here today and joining us online. We're so glad you're with us. We are starting a new series, as Dave said, um, and the, the, the title is Your Work Matters to God. And what we're going to talk about in this series is really going to, I think for many of you, be new. It's going to kind of change your paradigm of how you view work and uh, just going to change things. Uh, because here's the problem we have. Our culture, this American culture that we live in, and we're like fish in a bowl, we don't notice it, we just kind of pick it up, it's who we are. It, it, there's a, a real divide between the secular and the sacred. Like what we're doing right now, this is sacred. This is special to God. Or worship. We're worshiping God right now. But then on Monday, we're going to go to work, which is different than worship, right? And so we have this divide between the sacred and the secular, between work and worship, right? And this is a divide that we kind of always like live with, but is it really what God's Word teaches? And the answer is no, it isn't. And so we're going to talk about this whole idea of this idea that work is a curse and some other ideas. In fact, uh, some of the other topics, so we got together a while ago uh, on you know, some of the teaching team people and here, we were only going to do four, four messages on this. And as we went through it, we said, oh, that would be a good message on that. We should talk about that. And so here are some of the, here are some of the topics that we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. How hard should you work? Some people don't work at all. They're lazy. And other people work too much. They never take a break. Um, why the divide between the secular and the sacred, Right? Why the divide between Sunday and Monday, right? Why is that? We're going to talk about that. Um, is your job the mission field? Should it be? Who's your boss? Who's your real boss? Does that change how you view your job? Can you grow spiritually at work? Is it possible that your job can help you grow in your Christian life? We're going to talk about that. And then how to deal with stress because some of you have jobs that are very stressful. You're, you're living with people, and they're stressful. You have a boss that makes your job stressful. How do you deal with that? How can you deal with that? We're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about, one of the messages we're going to talk about was, I was going to do, a, and I am, I'm going to do a message on when should you retire, because obviously I'm contemplating that right now. But, but somebody said, well, we should say, we should talk about when should I change my job, right? Because, you know, in my dad's day, uh, you had one job, and that's what you did for the rest of your life. And now you change jobs over and over and over. I say to my kids all the time, I said, you know, they're saying, should I take this job or not? I said, well, here's the thing. This isn't going to be the last job you're ever going to have, probably. So don't make it the, the most important decision in your life. It's one important decision. And then what we're going to talk about today is work a curse, is work a curse. Now, why, what I want to address in this message is some of the ideas that people have about work, including Christians, that are unbiblical. They just, they just don't hold water in Scripture. 
And, and there's three of them I want to talk about. There's three common ones I want to talk about. The first one is this, that work is a necessary evil. Work is a necessary evil. If I didn't have to work, I wouldn't work. And the only reason that I do work is because I have to make money to pay the bills. And if I didn't have to do that, I wouldn't work. That's kind of how the logic goes, right? We have a phrase that we use, TGIF. Why do we have this phrase? Thank God it's Friday. I'm done with work this week, and I don't have to think about Monday until Saturday and Sunday's over. But that's not the way God intended work to be, right? Would you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1? I'm going to jump and read just a couple of verses. I don't have time to read them, but I'm going to summarize. I don't have the whole chapters. I'm just going to summarize kind of what's going on and talk about it. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 says this. And it's talking about God placing man and woman in the garden, Adam and Eve. It says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now that word subdue it, um, understand, and it's redefined as you read through the scripture. It's not to pilfer it. it it's not to destroy it. It's not to... Uh, rape it, or it, it's to manage it, it's to care for it, it's to tend to it. Um, it's to, so it says, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every living creature that moves on the ground. And then if you go to ch chapter 2, verse 15, there's kind of a summary statement, and it says this, the Lord God took up the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Okay. So, this is Genesis 1 and 2. The curse doesn't come until chapter 3. So, this is before the, the curse, right? And where God says to the man, out of the toil of the ground, you will toil, you know, all that. The curse doesn't come. So, before the curse, work was seen, and God says it in these chapters. If you read through chapters 1 and 2, and God saw that he made this, and it was good. He saw that he made this, and it was good. He saw all that he made, and it was Good, right? Yeah, you're tracking with me. That's fantastic. Look at that. Um, but the point is, work was created before the curse. So work is, is who you are as a human being. God said, I design you not to sit in a chair, but to work, to make the places around you better, to use your gifts and abilities to make something, create things, manage things. Because you think you would be happy if you didn't have to work. And what I'm sharing with you is God designed you to work, to do something, to be creative, to fix things, to uh, manage things. Work is an integral part of who we are as human beings. Okay, that's the point he's making. So as a Christian, you have been called by God to make your contribution to his world by your work. And, it, and, and this is what God designed you for, to be a person who makes the world around you better by creatively, by managing, by, by doing, using your gifts to make it better. That's what he created you for. So, Notice, and, and, and this is key, understand 
Before the curse, right? Before the curse. All right. So whether you're, you work in the classroom, home, or the office, your work matters to God. Your work matters to God. But you know what? Some jobs can really be a pain. And maybe you have a job, and it's, it's hard. It's difficult. You have a difficult boss. Uh, you have uh, a boss who just doesn't get it, and he doesn't care, and he has deadlines that are unreasonable, and you work with people you don't particularly like, and they're not very nice, they're a little snarky, and it's not a good environment, and you don't like your job. Get that. Maybe you have a mountain of laundry to do. You've got dishes all over. You've got kids running around the house. You've got just a mess. And you go, this is hard. This isn't fun. This is difficult. Maybe you face a deadline and you've been working on this project over and, and all of a sudden you've got to have this presentation ready and your laptop crashes. Of course, you didn't have it backed up to the cloud, right? The Bible teaches that work can be frustrating. But it also teaches that work is necessary. And it's not necessary just to make money. It's necessary for you to live a human productive life and to contribute to God's world and his creation. You see, and by the way, I just want to point this out, that one day the Bible says that heaven will have a new heaven and a new earth. And it's very much, there's, I think there's a very big continuity between this life and the next life. So it's very likely that in the next life, you will be working. You will have, you know, say, well, that's exciting, Matt. Thanks for wrecking this heaven for me. No, but this will be like, this will be the one thing that you do that you really love and you really enjoy it. And it's incredible and it's stimulating and you just love it. And you, you're, this is it. This is what heaven's like. Because I think that you will be doing similar things than you're doing now in heaven. Eating, drinking, right? Will there be architects in heaven? Yeah, probably. Will there be designers? Will there be builders? Yeah, probably. There'll be all sorts of things. And so that's the first thing that I want you to see, that this idea that, that work is a necessary evil and and. It's, it's not. It, God designed it as a, a vital part of being a human being. The second thing is, only a select few people are really doing God's work. Now, this is one that I heard as a young Christian, or, and I, I guess I picked it up and I heard it. And the idea here is that there's only a few people or a few professions that God really gets excited about. Like, so I thought that if you, the, if you could choose the best thing that you could ever do for God, it had to include suffering, it had to, to include a third world country, it had to include eating slimy bugs and sleeping on hard ground, it had to include just like opening yourself up to all sorts of known diseases, it had to include running for your life and potentially being martyred for the Lord, that these are the people that are knocking it out of the park, the Jim Elliots, the Nate Saints, you know, the Don Richardsons, and 
You know, all of these people that were the missionaries, they were the ones that left everything and went to the far reaches of the world to live. And I go, man, those are really knocking out of the part. And then, like, under that, under that tier of the superstars, the select, the all-star, you have, well, there may be pastors there somewhere, you know, and, and then there's the lay people. They just sit around and do nothing, right? Yeah, but that's not what God's Word says. What I've learned from the Bible that day, I learned that the moment I gave my life to Christ because He gave His life to me, I became a minister. Now, by the way, I had no thoughts at that point of becoming a pastor in a church. But I realized that I was a minister, that we're all ministers, that the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become an ambassador, a minister for Jesus Christ. We're all ministers. It's not the minister here and then you there. It's we're all ministers. And um, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're in full-time ministry, wherever you work and whatever you do. Now, I'm going to do a blog, because I don't have time to talk about it now, but I'm going to do a blog on, is there a job that Christians shouldn't do? Like, I don't think you can be a Christian mob boss, right? I I just don't think those go together, right? Now, there's some obvious ones that you can think of. I shouldn't be a Christian and then fill in the blank. I'm probably not going to talk about those. I'm going to talk about some that you look at and go, what about that one? right? Because it's kind of on the edge. I'm going to have a blog this week, probably Wednesday at noon. I'll, I'll have that out to talk about what, what are some professions that Christians maybe should, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that if I'm a Christian. But we don't have time to talk about that. But I want to say one other thing. I think there's one profession that our culture, American culture, looks down upon. And I think it's being a stay-at-home mom. I mean, think about it. They're chefs. They're, they do laundry. They do counseling. <laughs> they, they clean up after everyone. They care for the sick. They change dirty diapers. They educate. They manage the house. They gather supplies. They play counselor. They prepare their kids for launch. And each day presents new challenges, right? And our world basically looks at them and says to these stay-at-home moms, well, it's too bad you don't have a career. Okay. As a Christian, though, we realize how important that work is, don't we? It's incredibly important. And again, all that is not to say that if you're a mom and you're working, that's not to condemn you. And it's not to jump into those. It's just to say, let's not make a distinction because this person is doing this over here and our culture says that's insignificant. Let's not join the bandwagon and say that because I think it's absolutely significant and important and they don't get their due. All right. Um, Look at... Look at this verse in Colossians 3.23. It's a very interesting passage, and it's kind of all-inclusive. 
Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Now how? As working for the Lord, not for human masters. So this is already directed towards the workplace. And basically, you have a job where you have a boss that you don't like. You have a job where you have people around you who are snarky and you, you tr- struggle working with them. Basically, what Paul says here is work as though you're working for God. He's your boss. Work as though you're not working for human masters, but for him, and see your work from a different perspective. In other words, instead of seeing it on the horizontal level, bring the vertical in. Bring God into your workplace. It'll change. Now, what Paul's saying is very interesting. He's saying, you may have put a wall between Sunday and Monday, but I haven't. You may have put a wall between worship and work, but I haven't. You may have put a wall between the secular and the sacred, but I haven't. That's what he's saying here. Now he goes on and he says, Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So when do you want to get paid? You know, we also, one of the first things we want to hear when we start a new job is, when do I get paid? <laughs> how much do I get paid and when do I get paid, right? It, aren't those the two things we want to know? When do I get paid and how much do I get paid? And I just want to say that what Paul's saying here, maybe you missed it. He's saying, if you work for the Lord, do you understand that even though you're getting paid minimum wage, God is keeping track in heaven and one day he's going to have a payday for you. He's going to have a check for you. He's going to have a reward for you. Have you ever thought about your job, no matter how much, because you're probably working at jobs. I have done it. You probably had it. We could share stories where you said, I am not getting paid enough for this job. Maybe you're not. But do you understand that God sees what you're doing and he's keeping track of your hours? And one day he's going to say, hey, I want to pay you for what you did in that job. I owe you something for that. Now, God, you know, understand what I mean by God owes you. But you have this coming. Notice he says, he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance. And I'm suggesting that if you have your eyes so focused on the horizontal that you're only looking for this life and the rewards that it can be here, you are neglecting the rewards that God has planned for you in heaven. If you see this job that you're doing, this crap job that you're doing, as you see it as for the Lord and you're dedicating yourself for the Lord to do the very best you can because you're not working for a human boss and you're not working because you really enjoy the job, but you're working for him and you're bringing order and you're bringing dignity and you're bringing all these things that God wants you to bring, creativity and all of that to this job that no one else does. And, you, and people around you say, why are you doing that? And you just, you don't probably wouldn't ask you that, but you would say, I'm doing it because I'm doing it for the Lord. I mean, think about it. If the Lord came in here and says, hey, I've got a really crappy job. Anybody want to do it? I mean, it's, it's bad. It's a bad job. Nobody wants to do it. I can't find anyone to do it. Is there one person that'll do that job? I think hands would go up all over. People online would be calling in and saying, hey, anybody raise their hands, I'll do it. Why? 
Because you're doing it for the Lord. Well, that's his point. That's his point. Do you see your job that way? Do you see your job? Here's the point. Do you see your job as an act of worship to God? Have you seen your... This last week, did you go in and say, God, I'm going to worship you in the office. I'm going to worship you in, in uh, driving the truck. I'm going to worship you in this company. I'm going to worship you in, as I study as a student. I'm going to worship you as fill in the blank. Have you ever done that? Then you're not understanding the connection between your work and worship. See, the wall needs to come down. See, God is an assignment where you work to be a light and witness of the goodness of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, you are a full time, you are in full-time ministry, 24-7, 365. You are a Christian minister, wherever you are. Uh, what would happen? Think about this. What would happen if you went into work or you're in your car, you're getting ready, going to school, and you pray this prayer? Lord, help me to do a great job for you today. Help me to represent the good news of the gospel and your kingdom today in this place doing this thing. What would change? Well, your attitude would change for sure, right? Because you realize I'm not working for this boss that I don't like. I'm not working with these people who are snarky. I'm working for the Lord. My attitude changes. Uh, hopefully I'm working hard. Hopefully, I'm living with integrity. I mean, there's a lot of things that can come into that, right? We'll, we'll, we'll spend the next few weeks talking about that. But look at what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says this, We are therefore in Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Do you see what Paul's saying here? Paul is saying that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are an ambassador. Now, what are some of the name, other names that we use for ambassadors from other countries? We call them ministers. We say that this is the minister of Italy. This is the minister of Israel. This is the, what do we mean by that? They represent that country. They're an ambassador. And so you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are an ambassador for Christ, but you are a minister for Christ wherever you are. Whatever you are doing, you are a minister for him. Now we're going to talk about, and we have a message coming up, it's going to talk about how do you grow at work spiritually. Did you know that you can grow in your Christian life through your work? You can grow in patience. You can grow in maturity. You, there's a, you can grow in, in trust. You know, there's a whole, in faith. There's a whole bunch of ways you can grow in your work. We're going to talk about that in, in a message that's coming up. Um, here's... A couple of things, a couple of ways that I, we're not going to encourage you to grow or we're not going to encourage you to do. So um, how do you grow spiritually at work or how do you have, you know, do that? We don't walk into, bi into your work with a big heavy Bible and slam it on the desk and say, I'm here and I'm a Christian. Okay? Here's another way you don't do it. This is where Pastor Matt gets a little snarky. 
and you can offer me grace, but I don't deserve it, so don't give me any because I'm going to be snarky, like I said. Um, you don't get up on a plane at 30,000 feet and pull out your guitar and ask people to worship Jesus when they can't get out of the plane. <laughs> though they want to jump. And though they're not real happy with you or with Christianity. And we do that stuff all the time at work, don't we? And we wonder, why do they hate Christians so much? I don't know. Maybe it's because you pulled your guitar out and made me try listen to you worship God because if I was a Christian and a Muslim or a Hindu pulled out whatever they would pull out to worship, I don't think I'd be real super happy about that. Positively, though, how you carry yourself, your, your language, your behavior, your integrity. Hey, you know, you don't drop F-bombs like everybody else in the company or on the dock. Hey, you don't scream at people. He can talk like normal. Hey, you know, you kind of live with a little bit of integrity. Here's the point. You are a minister. You are called to do God's work in your work. We're all ministers. So this idea that some are the ones that God really loves, the jobs that he really loved, and then others are kind of like, well, whatever. Oh, whatever, do what you do. I just want to tell you that the rewards in heaven are going to be interesting because it may be that there is a person who is doing crap jobs his whole life or her whole life, and God's going to say, hey, come here, come here. I want you to meet them. I want to do some replay about what they did in their job and how they worshipped me in their work and how they were a minister and how they were a light and, a, and an influence for the gospel of Christ where they worked. Jesus did that one time, you know. They were walking by the temple, and a, a, a little old lady dropped two coins in, and Jesus says, stop the presses. we got to watch this. And he pointed it out, and his disciples said, what? Two small coins? It's nothing. There's a bunch of people that are putting much more money in, and he says, no, 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 you don't get it. I keep track of stuff like that. See, we all always think, wow, the people that are going to be great in heaven, the ones that are doing the big jobs for God. And I just think he's going to pull little ladies out and little old men and other people, and he's going to say, did you see what they did? Yeah. Here's the third thing. So I pushed you a little bit, but now I'm going to really push you a little bit more. And it's probably because I'm getting a little more bold and I shouldn't. Uh, because, you know, I'm going to retire in about a year. And so in that sense, I can, I can do that because if you don't like me, it doesn't matter. And <laughs> but here, here it is. And the reason I'm going to talk about this is because they're really tied together in our culture. And that is the purpose of work is to make money. Now, I've already mentioned this, but the reason I'm making it is we say that, that, that working is a necessary evil. Now, I've already, I think, made a case that it's not then making a lot of money is seen as the only true incentive. So if I make a lot of money, then I can at least put up with a job that I don't like and it's not inspiring and I don't feel fulfillment in it. Now for many, many, many people, making a lot of money offsets the curse of work. 
And money is one of the biggest motivators and status symbols in our culture. The link between work and money can lead to some really um, unbiblical ideas and behaviors. And so I want to talk about two of those. So what I'm saying to you is this. I'm saying that people have believed this idea that, that work is a necessary evil, that the only benefit of work is to make money, and if I make a lot of money, then that's an okay benefit. Um, but they have the, the, because of that, I want to talk about money for a minute, because it's important because we understand that money plays a role in all of this. And, and here's the two unbiblical ideas and behaviors. The first one is this. If God gives me more than I need, it's for me. If I have extra, it's for me. It's not for others, it's for me. Now, I want to read you a passage. This is from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Now, again, there's no sin in being rich or being blessed by God and, and making a lot of money. That's not the point here. The, the danger, though, is that you trust in wealth and you put your hope in wealth and wealth can make you arrogant. You say, well, look at me. I made more money than these people. I must be smarter, brighter. I must be blessed of God more than they are. But, but he says, Commend, or command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And then he says this, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they will take hold of the life that is truly life. Basically, what he says is the smart, rich Christians invest the extra they have in the lives of others, in God's kingdom. And by doing that, they send it ahead. And they will be rewarded in heaven. The question is, you want to be rewarded now or do you want to be rewarded in heaven? That's really what a lot of this comes down to. So let me ask you a couple questions. What do you do when you get extra money? Do you say, Hey, God has blessed me with more. Must be it's for something or someone. What could that be? Or do you say, oh goody, this is more for me. And that's the end of the discussion. It's over. Question number two, do you see money, the money that you earn, as yours? Well, now we, and we don't have time to go into this, but now we have a problem with stewardship. Because we think that what we have is ours. We think, that's my coat, that's my shirt, that's my car, that's my house, those are my kids, that's my job. And we don't realize that God is the owner of everything. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. We're, we're managers of God's stuff. It's his stuff, it's not our stuff. That's the problem. And we get that wrong. And we think we own something. But we have multiple parables by Jesus where he says, talents. Remember the parable of talents? He says, and one got this much, and one got this much, and then there was a day of reckoning, and God said, what'd you do? 
I resourced you with these things. He talked about a vineyard. And he said, there's this vineyard. And, and what did you do with it? What did you do with the resources? One day, we're going to have to give an account. It's, it's not your stuff. And Christians, the day that you think you own that car, the day that you think you own that house, the day that you think you own anything, that it's not the Lord's, the day that you think that is the day that you stepped away from the Scriptures. You'll never be generous until you get that principle down, that you are a steward. And you don't work to get money. You work to worship God. And when God allows you to pay your bills and you have enough, and you have more than enough, you should be thinking, how can I leverage this for God's kingdom, sending it ahead so that when I get to heaven, he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? That's what we're talking about. So would you consider yourself a good steward of God's resources? On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being, I am absolutely knocking it out of the park. In fact, when I have an extra amount of money, my first thought is, good, I've got 10 ideas of how I can bless other people, how I can move God's kingdom forward, how I can support the church, how, whatever it is, but I, this money is earmarked for others. That's 10. One is, it's mine. Leave me alone, okay? So where are you in the 1 to 10, all right? Where are you? Here's the other lie that we believe. If God blesses me, and I swear it, one day I'll bless others. <laughs> bless your little heart. Um, Proverbs says this, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. Now, this, has been, this verse has been taken and, and uh, ripped out of the cultural context of the Bible and made to say that when you give to God in faith, God is required to give you multiple times over what you give him. It's a lot of baloney and it's, it's, it's not what this verse is saying. What this verse is saying is that when you understand the principle of ownership, that you're a steward and you're a faithful steward, God is going to give you more things to steward, more resources to steward. But the next verse Luke, in Luke says essentially the same thing in Luke 16.10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted, uh, excuse me, let's try that again. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whosoever is dishonest with very little, can also, will also be dishonest with much. But if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So here's the principle. The principle is if you can't manage the little things, you say, I know I don't have much and I can't really be rich towards God now, but one day if God blesses me, I will be rich. I promise. No, you won't. Remember the woman, she only put two small coins in. Jesus says, oh, she's rich towards God. Didn't have anything, but she gave everything, right? Many people have good intentions, but they have really horrible follow-through. Let me push you a little bit more. If I were to ask you, because we just got done with tax season, 
Folks online, you join us with this. If I were to ask you what percentage of your income, and you say, well, pastor, pre, pre-tax income or post-tax income? What are we talking? Yeah, let's just go with pre. Let's live dangerously. What percentage of your income did you give away for God and his kingdom? To support this church, to support ministries that God has laid on your heart to make a difference for his kingdom, to send it ahead. What percentage? What percentage of your income? If you don't know, that's a problem. Like, I mean, I don't mean if you don't know. Well, I think it was like 7 or 8% or 12 or 15%. I'm not sure. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you're going, what are you talking about? A percentage of my income? You mean planning ahead that I was going to give a certain percentage of my income before taxes to the church, to God, to whatever God has laid upon my heart? I've never done that in my life. Do you know that about 30% of the people uh, in this church support it? That means that there's 70% of the people here now and probably online that don't give anything or very little. Do you tithe? Do you give a percentage of your income to the church or to God? You say, well, I don't know how to do Text the, the number, give to the number. We put it up every week, and you can set up withdrawing on a regular basis. Do something. Don't be dumb about it. Come on. God knows. I told you this is going, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to hate me and you're going to be angry and you're going to be frustrated and you're going to say, I don't, you're, you're, going to, you're not wrestling with me. You're wrestling with God here, okay? You're wrestling with God here. You really do. And by the way, Carol and I, we give over, we give probably over 12%. She would know more specifically off the top of our income. We have been doing that. We just, we just feel like that's what we should do. We can't ask you to do what we're not doing, right? All right. So you may say, Matt, why are you talking about money? Because money is tied to work. Because what the only benefit many of you maybe walked in here with, the only good thing I'm getting on my job is I get a good paycheck from it. And I say, well, if, you, if that was your attitude, then you misunderstood that you're working for God, number one, and that your workplace is a place of worship. That needs to be settled first and foremost. Secondly, yes, it's great that you get a paycheck, but what are you doing with the paycheck? Because though God has allowed you, he's given you the strength, and he's given you the, the, the wisdom, and the brain power, and all the other things that you say, well, I, I get up and work hard. Yeah, but who gave you the body to work? Who gave you the strength to work? Who gave you the, 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 the clarity of mind and the, the, the abilities and the gifts that you have to do the job. Okay, so in a sense, what are you doing with the resources that now you're making from that job? How are you leveraging them for eternity and how are you blessing others and how are you, how are you, you know, bringing about his kingdom here on earth? But here's why I'm talking about money. Because Jesus said something that stopped me in my tracks one day. And he said this. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. 
right? Remember the rich man that comes to Jesus? I want to follow you. Jesus says, really? Go sell all you have. Come follow me. And he went away sad because he was very rich. What was Jesus saying? You think you know where your heart is, but you don't. See, here's the problem with money. You're trusting it. You're trusting it for significance. Look at me. I've got all this money. You're trusting it for satisfaction. Look at me. Look at what I can do. You're trusting it for security. Look at me. I'm safe. We often focus on our position or our job. We say, if I can just find the right job, if I can just find the right position. And God says, okay, I want you to find a good job that you, that you find fulfilling. I want you to find a position that you find fulfilling. I think that's important. But I'm more concerned is what kind of person are you in that position and in that job? What kind of person are you? Are you a person that worships during an hour on the weekend? Or are you a person that worships me 24-7, 365? And that includes your job. So work isn't a curse. It's a necessary part of being a human being. Your job is just as important as my job in God's eyes. And money is not the reason why you should work. But it is something that can get you off track of the real purpose of work and the fact that God has called you first and foremost to be a steward of everything that he's given you. Your intelligence, your time, your money, everything. When you open your world up to God and say there are no off limits, there is no secular and sacred, there is no uh, Christian and non-Christian, there is no, there's none of that. There's just me worshiping God in all that I do. When we have that attitude and we go into work, things change. So church when we go to work, let's take this teaching with us. Let's be different because the world isn't seeing it. And they need to. Stand with me. Let's pray. Help us, Father, because without your spirit, without your, guide, without your guidance, you, we can't do this. We need your help. Help us to see work, our work, no matter what job we do, no matter what position we find ourselves, no matter what, uh, who our boss is, no matter who uh, we work with, help us to see the place you put us for now is a place for us to worship you and to bring the gospel and to bring your kingdom before others by the way we conduct ourselves. Help us to do that this week, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.